Hi there, all your listeners out there. Uh, this is Alan. I guess a lot of you know me as Big Al. Those of you who've been listening to me. <laughs> and thank you very, very much for that. Thanks for listening here on Chat Sapphire to this podcast on birds. And um, I know that we spoke last time about owls and um, you know the different things, uh, different interesting facts about owls. I know I did mention the Varix owl, the, uh, which was the old... Um, Giant eagle owl. Uh, we spoke about the um, eagle, spotted eagle owl, and the Cape eagle owl. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to divide this, these chats about these owls into three. So this will be the second time I'll be talking, and this time I'm hopefully going to get through the Western barn owl, the African grass owl, Pell's fishing owl, which is quite a, you know quite a big owl, the African wood owl, and the marsh owl. And the following week I'll talk about the African scops owl, the uh, southern white-faced owl the pearl-spotted pearl owlet and the barred owlet, and we'll see how we go. Um, but before I carry on, I just want to remind you all about the um, big birding day coming up on the 27th. Those of you who haven't um, uh, sort of put your names down for this just yet, uh, please don't uh, hesitate and get a team together, because you can do that. There's a whole lot of different ways of doing it you can get. As I said last week, uh, teams of two or three or four, you do a 50k radius where you are, walk around and see all the birds you can find and put them in. So at least we get a good count on that day of, of all the birds and where they've been found in South Africa. I think it's a brilliant day, a nice hard work all day and treat yourselves to a nice brow afterwards and a cold beer if you need it. Um, the other exciting thing is I had a phone call or a message through from a Dr. Shane McPherson. Um, and um, I understand he's, um, he's, he's done a lot of work in the field of um, crowned eagles here in South Africa. And in fact, that was one of his uh, uh, PhD that he did here when he came across here in 2011 from uh, New Zealand. Because I know he was in New Zealand doing a lot of work. Postgraduate, oh my goodness, you hear that already in the background. they always around. So if you do hear them in the background, I apologize. But for you who love birds, you won't mind hearing them in the background. Real African sound, isn't it? But anyway, go back to uh, Dr. Shane McPherson. Um, he's done a lot of work. I, I can't even begin to tell you all the diplomas and PhDs and things that he has done. And I know that he does a lot of um, um, work with the uh, helping people get access to certain nests, uh, trapping and um, and yeah, within, uh, within sort of certain projects in South Africa, and also involved with the cave vultures. <clears throat> the Marshall and the Verex Eagle and the Long Crested Eagle. Um, I know he has joined the Fitzpatrick Institute in 2017 um, for it, uh, as a field technician for the Black Sparrowhawk project. In fact, where I am now in the Mdoni Forest, we have a nest uh, with um, the Black Sparrowhawk. Uh, we've got a nest there. I'm busy sort of trying to get up there and finding it. I hear them a lot. In our area, and uh, we also have uh, a couple of nests of the um, the uh, crowned eagle. So I, why I'm mentioning this is because um, I believe he's coming around here sometime in December, early December, and we yet chat so far really hoping to sort of pull him in so we can have a little chat to him, and it'll be extremely, extremely interesting having a talk with him, especially over what he's done and all the years that he's been actually um, involved in, in birding. You know, we're talking about 
raptor nest projects and well in Mongolia artificial raptor nest projects being one of them and um, also was also involved in the conservation management of the Mauritius parakeet so there's are so much that he knows like you know my my little knowledge is like a little uh, mustard seed compared to his and it'd be so great to uh, listen get you all to hear what he's going to say so hold your fingers um, and your thumbs and everything else and just hopefully we can uh, Get him here to chat Sapphire to interview him and have a little chat to him. Okay, let's start with the uh, Pelts fishing owl. This is actually one of the largest um, of, of, of Africa's fishing owls. We, we just have the one, which is the Pelts down here our way. And um, the only, if, if you're going to look for it in Southern Africa, well, in South Africa, the only way you're going to find it is on the, like, the north, how can I put it, the northeast border of South Africa. So if you went up to the end of Natal, and moved up through the Kruger, <laughs> up, that, up that line, up, up there is about the only place you can actually go to find this owl. But they, it's a, they're always found in, in very large trees, and, and they normally hang around in very slow flowing rivers and pans and, you know, sort of estuaries. Um, given that its prey lives underwater, um, the owl hunts more by, oh, there goes the hardy doors again, <laughs> hunts more by sight. Um, rather than sound, you know, um, which means that if, if you look at it, uh, I'll, I'll talk about what it looks like now. It doesn't have these big facial discs as I spoke about with some of the other owls, these concave facial discs, which the um, other owls use for detecting prey. But um, so in other words, it'll, it'll rather by sight, it'll see a bit of movement on the water and it'll hop in there. They, they will occasionally take like crabs or mussels and frogs in that. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a largest bird. Eh? It's about, it's a, it's like a brownish. It's about 51 to 60 sort of centimeters. It's got a, a very wide uh, wing. It's about 400 to 450 millimeters uh, wing length. The wingspan itself is about 153 uh, centimeters on average, and they're around about 20 kgs to 23 kg size uh, birds. But the females are, are larger and uh, much heavier than the males. Which is actually quite interesting, but the, but as I said, they 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 very large, largest uh, owls. They've got this ginger brown um, kind of colour to it. You can't actually miss it with, and they don't have any uh, true ear tufts like uh, the ones we mentioned uh, before. The interesting thing is, it was named after. Not that this is might not be interesting, but it's just something to put a, put aside there. It was named after Hendrik Severinus Pell, who was the Dutch governor of the, gold, uh, the old Gold Coast, which is now Ghana. Uh, around about 1840s or 1850, it was um, uh, named by him. The, the, the head in the nape, the nape, sorry. <laughs> the head in the nape, they've got these long feathers which, uh, which, which the birds tend to carry loose um, all the time. And it, it kind of gives it this, this tousled appearance. It looks like it's never washed its uh, hair or or um, never combed his hair in a, in a way. It's got very dark brown eyes, and uh, the bull is is, is uh, fairly black, with a bit of grey at the at the base of um, of the bull. As I've said before, they they're a very nocturnal bird. You know, they only sort of mostly hunt around at night. But you must mostly you'll hear them. I mean, yes, they're around at night time, but it's like I don't know, similar to I don't know if you remember when we spoke about the night jaws. Uh, some time back we mentioned that the night jaws normally 
make a sound 50 minutes before and 50 minutes after sun <coughs> sunset. And when the, when the moonlight, when, the, when there's moonlight, then they'll like cry all night. And they'll give a call all night. And the same, uh, these, these birds, you'll hear them on, on most moonlit, uh, moonlit nights. They have a very deep owl-like call, you know, where the female, uh, the female will have like a very um, type of call. And, um, and the female and, the, and the, the, the kids will always give it a sort of a sort of a begging cry, you know, when it's sort of asking around for a bit of the old food. Uh, it sounds like this. Hopefully you can hear it. Don't know if you heard that. It sounded like it started and then it sort of stopped halfway. So I don't know what happened to my little sound effect. But it's got that ooh, ooh, ooh. Like a very, very deep. You can actually hear it a good couple of kilometers away. Um, they are very, very loud birds in the night when you when you actually listen to them. So you will be able to hear them if you go looking or listening for them um, in, in the evenings. They, they normally catch up to about two kgs of fish um, all, all together in a day. But they, they normally go for like about 100 to 200 gram fish. And as I said before, they will also eat frogs, crabs and, and mussels. But the preferred way of, of hunting with these with these owls, uh, and I've seen them do this, so they actually sit in a, over, uh, on a branch which overhangs the water. And, you know, when the fish come past, they make little ripples, a little, you know, on the surface of the water. Then the owl will glide down and then I'll, they'll seize the, the fish and then it'll go back up to the perch. Uh, but you'll never see them, well, I've never seen them actually immersing themselves in the water. And, you know, they don't even sort of get wet while they're fishing. Seriously, they, they're kind of adverse to that. They go there and they'll grab the, uh, the fish from the top. And they'll take it um, up to the, uh, on the side. They've also been known to uh, forage and, and wade in the shallow sort of uh, sandbanks of, of um, the, the rivers, you know, as I said before for frogs and, and crabs and that. Um, they they have a breeding season. Normally it's in the dry season, which is obvious because, you know, during the dry season, the, the water is fairly shallow and, 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 and fairly clear. And, and, and fish are not really well or easily detected. So they normally tend to start um, uh, breeding during these times. Uh, sorry, when they're easily detected because the water's lower, you can see more of the fish and the water is a lot more clearer, you know, because you don't have the rains and the dirty water in the drier season. So, um, <laughs> almost went back on myself there. So you'll always just um, observe the, um, it'll be easier for them to observe the uh, the fish during the dry season, especially if the water is a little bit lower and sort of um, shallow. Um, the other thing is they they tend to make little hollows or cavities in, in old trees. Uh, which will always be near water, as I've said. They are monogamous, and they tend to claim territories close to water, as I said, and they have this intensive hooting going on all the time just you know, prior to that. They normally lay about one or two eggs, and uh, only the female will, uh, will incubate, and uh, the male will you know, do his little bit and bring in the, the food. The, the, the interesting thing is, uh, when, when disturbed to the nest, because as I said, the female stays at the nest. And she'll actually perform a distraction sort of display, uh, saying, oh, I'm injured, I'm injured, and have these high trills of, with her bill very wide open. If you ever get to see that, it's actually quite fascinating to actually see. But um, 
Yeah, they, they, I'll tell you, if you go to any places and you ask the guide, listen, please show me where the pal's fishing are. You need to go on that walk because they're very difficult to sort of see at any time, usually here in South Africa. And they, you know, then different areas which are hard to reach. So if you get a chance of going to these forest areas where the birds are known to be, do yourself a favor, go and find one or find a pair or even a nest if you can. Okay, let's move on to the Marshall. I, I kind of like the cell because, um, you know, they, they, they're hard to find. You'll have to really be out in the, you know, if, if you looked at the a map of Africa, <clears throat> or sorry, not Africa, of South Africa, and you took it from the left edge of Natal up on the left-hand side of the Free State, and you went up north. That's a basically the main areas we're going to find. Yes, you'll find in small little spots just above Cape Town and one or two spots up the west coast uh, where they do have sort of marshy, grassy area. But most of the time, if you're looking for them, you go around the Free State area up that way um, and those open areas of grasslands up through the Kruger, you'll see them as well. Uh, they'll sometimes just roost on the on the side of the of a fence post or something like that. But as as I said in the L before this, uh, you know, the pals didn't have the facial disc, but this one does have a facial disc, which is a very pale buff color. If you look at that pale buff color compared to its normally, that the whole bird is like an earthy brown color. Well, the females are a little bit lighter and paler than the males, but the facial discs have this very pale buff color. And, and their, eyes, their eyes look very dark because they, they have this like dark rim around the outside of their eyes. So it makes their eyes look a little bit darker than they, they usually are. They're smaller than the pelts fishing hole, but quite a bit. They're around about 30 to 40 or just under 30, uh, sorry, just under 40, about 38 centimeters long and are about between two to five kgs um, heavy. Um, they're, they're really beautiful bird to see, especially in flight. And they normally only hunt in the twilight or, or nighttime, but they have been seen to sort of, um, uh, if it's very cloudy, then you can go out there and you'll most probably find these birds hunting during that time as well. And they saw very slowly over the marsh or sort of a grassy area. They, they like move around very slowly and, you know, they have a very slow <clears throat> wing beat. And I mean, low off the ground, eh? not not high in the air. And there's a beautiful little slow wing beat. And when they see something, they'll suddenly swerve or they actually hover when they see its prey. Uh, the prey being, they'll eat rodents and, you know, they'll even eat some like lizards and frogs, maybe if need to. But if they are running a bit short or something, they'll be known to to swap to uh, like small birds uh, where, where, where necessary. Um, they tend to make the nests. The interesting thing is they, they, they normally have an area of about two square, uh, two square kilometers is their, their, their territory. And the male actually claims the territory by, as he flies, he fires the area there where he wants, he starts circling around it, then he starts clapping his wings and croaking like crazy. And they'll claim this little area. Then he'll go down and they'll make their nest in like a long grass, maybe next to a bush or something, with a small little like tunnel entrance on the side um, of the nest. And uh, let me tell you, if you go anywhere near their nest, they're very, very aggressive. If, if if you go near it. And like the pals, the, the female also pretend to be wounded if you kind of like wander too close to the nest or they think, you know, you might, or, or there might be some predators about.
Um, <clears throat> normally outside of the breeding time, uh, they tend to roost together. But their breeding time also tends to be during the drier periods. And um, and then, yeah, and then they uh, very, very interesting birds to see. But as I said, you, you need to go and find these things. It's not something you're going to just find by driving along the road, hoping to find one. Um, once they've made their nest, the female will lay about two to six eggs. And she will, alone, she will incubate these eggs. And um, now, the interesting, around about 17 days after they've, they've um, been born, they will actually leave their nest and they'll wander around. And, they, uh, when they, and then both the male and female will search them out and keep feeding them until they, uh, like fledglings, until they can fly. And uh, by either calling, or you can see the soft, uh, they can see the trampled ground where they sort of um, go around in their, in their specific area. Um, they'll actually see them. Now their sounds are a very, um, I don't know, it's like a very raspy type, um, horse grating type of call, almost like a, you know, if you've got a very broad ranch and you bend it, slowly like a creaking door, like I can't even make the noise, but let me try it. Let's see if this thing will work. There we go. <clears throat> That's all I have to say at the moment about these uh, marshals, but they're very, very interesting. Uh, they are really, really graceful and beautiful when they're gliding low to the ground. These little wing beats, as I've said before, and especially when they start hovering. Okay, now we move on to the grass owl. Why I kept these two the same? Because they, they're very similar in, in where they are and um, the way they sort of hang around in the long grass and the marshy areas. You, you won't find them outside those places where there's been a lot of rainfall and um, like really marshy areas, the grass this grass owl will be seen around those areas. So as I said before, it's at that one area, but it won't be in the coastal areas and up on the side of the Kruger, and only in the middle areas of Southern Africa. Um, it's a medium-sized owl um, with fairly long legs, but it doesn't have any of these ear tufts as the, as the eagle owls and the ones I spoke about um, before. <clears throat> it's also known as the common grass owl. Uh, it also has a facial disc like the uh, marshal, but it's um, unlike the marshal, it's got very, very creamy, very pale um, uh, facial discs. Like little dark, from, from the top of its crown right around the back, it's got a very dark, uh, black, brownish back, and with a fairly sort of pale undersides. It's very slightly bigger than the marsh owl, you know, being around about 38 and 42, where the marshal was. Maxim around about 38 and um, but, but in flight you can also tell the difference. I mean you can see it even by its, by its uh, facial disc but uh, even in flight its face and, and, its, and its neck even appear like larger if I can say that. Um, they normally roost during the day. You must probably see them the male and female roosting together on the ground and, and, and often very tall like tangled grass. They've got these dome-like platforms and tunnels. Um, and they're kind of like created by themselves by tramping down the surrounding grass. So you've got this, so you have the other grass that's left around. It's got the little 
tunnels and they came up to around about a couple of meters long and they connected with other tunnels it's it's quite a, uh, an amazing thing if you can actually quite find one i mean if you can find one somewhere where they are nesting uh, and normally that's dome they have a dome platform at the end of the tunnel which serves them as a nest or even if they're sort of daytime roost where you see them sort of uh, so you know any paired owls they are obviously not obviously but they, they tend to pair together or roost together um, and um, or maybe even small parties the mice they might roost quite close to one another so uh, yeah and um, they also hunt after sunset and, and late into the evenings but I can tell you if the food is very scarce you'll definitely see them hunting during the day they also have this very low uh, wavering type of flight low over the ground and they kind of listen to because where they've got this uh, nice um, um, facial disc to help them they kind of like go very low over the ground listening and watching for prey uh, but they, they'll also uh, hunt from a perch somewhere as well so it's not necessarily just um, flying low over certain areas they'll also eat um, rodents and even some very small uh, mammals around up to about 100 grams or so <laughs> and they're also known to eat bats can you believe it so there you go these are the grass cells they they kind of like breed from the whole if you look at the whole time lag around about December to August but you mostly find them breeding between about February to May and then they'll lay about two to four very white eggs and as the other owls before as I spoke to you about the uh, only the female uh, she'll incubate alone and once they're hatched they'll be uh, fed by the fe female alone as well and uh, which happens is a well, you know the male comes and brings the female the food the female will then feed it to the young ones but then when they get a little bit older after that then they'll both be fed by the the male and um, the, f the female they're very screeching call very very similar to the barn owl and it's something like this yeah I am going to talk about the barn owl next, so you'll see what I'm talking about when I, when I, when I talk to you about the, the call of this um, African grass owl. I myself I haven't seen too many around, but uh, it's always a beautiful owl to, to see when you, especially when you're in the Free State area or those highlands in those areas of southern Africa, but not down the Cape or those areas. Okay, now we turn to the western barn owl. It's, it's a uh, very much like the ones I've spoken about. It's a medium-sized owl, but this one's got no ear tufts, and it has this beautiful heart-shaped face, beautiful big white heart-shaped face. Um, the thing about these owls, they're found in all the continents, I think except Antarctica. It's about the only one. Sorry, I never said this before. I'll have to say it now. You might have, those of you have been listening to me talking a lot, but very few my voice is not so good today. I've got a problem with my um, uh, my voice, I uh, apologize for that, but uh, let's carry on. And anyway, these owls can be found in just about any towns or even cities. They can be found just about everywhere or anywhere. They have these beautiful facial discs, as I said, they like a heart shape, which is very pale, with a like, very slight brown edge. And they've got like a brownish wash between basically the lower edge of the eyes and uh, to the like whitish pink bill but you won't really see too much of that. The eyes are brownish black 
and they've got very, very, very pale underparts. So even in the evenings when you see them flying or they're coming down to land on a tree near you or something, they look very spooky, <laughs> very, very white and pale in the dark sky, very silent. Um, the crown and upper parts of the shoulders is like a greyish, like brown colour. But you'll know them because they, they, they're very pale. Um, here in Africa, they want, they're the, the pale owl, one of the pale owls that we have. Um, they're not as big as the others, they're slightly smaller. They're between about, I would say, 29 to about 44 centimeters long. And they also weigh between about 2 and just about 4.8, I've read somewhere, kgs. But um, the females are often heavier. No, not often, they're always heavier than the males. And um, as per all the other owls that we've discussed today, they, they are nocturnal uh, birds, and, um, and the same thing goes with the others. They, they have been seen sort of early evenings coming out to look for food if, if the food is well, a bit scarce. They'll come out a little bit earlier. But, they, you know, I've seen them myself come out uh, in the early evenings, but they're very quiet. They're one of the quiet of the eagles. As they come down and fly down over your head, you don't even know they're there. It's incredible. They um, Normally they will fly up and down a land. It's called quartering when you go up and down and up and down a certain sector, you know, not the same areas, looking for food and they can also perch then they can pounce as well you see them on the side of a tree or something chips going down into the grass and, and, and getting a, a mouse or something they'll normally eat rodents rodents are their number one source rodents and and small mammals but uh, then but they love their mice i mean particularly if there's been a mouse a big mouse uh, outbreak then these barn owls will thrive and you'll see them they'll just grow in numbers but that's the particularly strange thing about them. I'm only talking about barn, these barn owls in the wild. Um, they, they, their lifespan is very, very low, between one and two years. But I know that um, I know that um, owls that are kept at homes and are looked after, they can live up to 20 years and longer. But in the wild, they, they will, their life expectancy. It's only between one and two years. Um, they will lay their nests. You'll find them either in a barn or a building or something that's been unattended by humans for some time. But mostly they'll also find a hollow in a dead tree or something and they'll use that. Um, and they'll make their, uh, their nest there. And they, and they, they, they can breed any time of the year. Uh, to them it doesn't really matter because the food is so... There's so much food around for them, especially in the towns and the farms and the villages. And uh, you'll see that sometimes they even they'll breed twice a year. Uh, and it's a, I think it's only owl that I know that can and will breed uh, twice a year. They, they normally lay around about two to six eggs. And it won't be too long before their fledglings leave their nest. They, they, uh, they actually leave their nest quite quickly to go and start hunting on their own. Um, but that's how it's all done, I guess. Um, and, but as I said, they will actually, um, you know, not last as long as some of the other owls in the, in the country. I'm trying to find the sound. 
I'm going to just get the sound for you now. Okay, I was just battling to to get the sound because, I, as I said, they sound a lot like the grass owls, and they they make a hell of a screeching noise, like you wouldn't actually put it to an owl, a typical like owl sound. This is it, yeah. Well, there you have it. So, um, at the moment now, if you've heard this whole thing, you know that I've spoken about four of the owls. Next week, I'll, there's the last five to do. And um, we'll talk about them next week. But uh, just as another reminder, please don't forget, on the 27th of November is our big birding day. And in February, there's another one which I always attend. You can get teams to come and join us there in the, in the um, Golden Gate area in the Free State. We have a birding weekend coming up there. It's beautiful. Fantastic. We have such a joyous time together. Uh, looking at the birds and enjoying the time there in the, in, the, in the country. So that's all I have for you today. Until the next time you hear from me. This is from me, Big Al, or Alan, to those that know me. Um, until next time. Cheers.